Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equipped platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to the next episode of the Quality Corner Show. I've been away for a little bit, but I'm happy to be back today as we move forward with another episode of the show. It goes without saying here at PQS that our pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and other providers are working at their fullest capacity as it relates to COVID-19. We encourage all our partners to follow appropriate safety precautions and to continue to follow updated recommendations from organizations like the World Health Organization or the Centers for Disease Control. We typically end our episodes by wishing our audience well, but as we start this episode, it's an important message for us to reinforce right now. And today, we're going to try something a little bit different and try a mini roundtable discussion from some of our PQS associates who have been on the podcast before. So today, I'm going to welcome back to the episode, Emily Andres and Zach Renfro. Emily, Zach, how are you both doing today? Hey, Nick. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, same, same here, Nick. I'm doing well. Happy to be on the show with you today. Well, thank you both for being here. And for our listeners, the audio for this episode may sound a little different as our team is currently following recommendations for physical distancing. And we apologize that the sound uh, for this episode may sound different, but it was important for our team to follow those guidelines and also to continue providing some important information via the podcast. So as we start off, let's go over some updates on the coronavirus. Google launched their, launched their own COVID-19 webpage last week, and stats can be tracked and shows, and it does show worldwide numbers. This is in addition to organizations such as the World Health Organization, or CDC, in the U.S., which have also been tracking numbers. Of note, it's important to recognize that while the spread of COVID-19 continues to expand, states in the U.S. and countries across the globe are ex- expanding testing as they see the virus. However, When communities have been hit by the virus, this may also introduce limits to testing or timeline for receiving results. This is important context to consider as health experts look to review the best practices that countries are considering to limit COVID-19. Meanwhile, here in the United States, numerous states have been starting or expanding stay-at-home orders, which limit all but essential businesses and encourage people to stay at home and thus limit exposure of COVID-19. Emily, I'm going to kick it over to you here. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the experience as far as stay-at-home orders and uh, how that may be different for what other people are experiencing. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. So I hail from the great state of Ohio. Um, most Ohioans and, and other folks will get the, the reference there, but we have certainly, as Ohioans, taken a pretty firm stance on social distancing, um, staying at home, and we did this early on. So Governor DeWine announced the stay-at-home order for us here in Ohio until 11.59 p.m. on April 6, 2020. That does coincide with the school um, kind of calendar for going back to school. So as the situation continues to evolve, we'll see how uh, closely we kind of stick to that exact time 
um, range there. But basically, we are all ordered to work from home if you can, unless you're a classified as an essential worker, so healthcare workers, um, et cetera. We can still go out for groceries. Some stores here have designated uh, 65 and older shopping times, which is great. Um, a lot of stores have also gone to delivery only options. We can order takeout from our favorite restaurants, but you can't go inside. The doors are all locked around here. Um, you can still go out. You can walk the dog, things of that nature, but we're not allowed to gather in the park or recreation areas. Um, things like that. But certainly if there's a family member that you need to go and care for, you can obviously do that too. Um, so for me personally, I have always been a remote employee for PQS here. So it's not a whole uh, a huge shift or swing um, for me personally. I've enjoyed working remotely for about four years now. However, all of the uh, conference calls are a little bit more they're a little louder. They have different noises in the background, but that's the same for most people. So it's actually been kind of interesting to hear, well, now we know who has a dog, now we know who has little kids, et cetera. So that part's been kind of fun. And um, honestly, we'll never get a chance to spend so much time with our, our little ones as we are right now. So trying to enjoy that as much as I possibly can. But Getting back to kind of what we're doing here in the state of Ohio, which is a little different than some of the other states, we've also, um, Governor DeWine, excuse me, has also issued a statement about prescribing um, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. And I'm going to tag you, Zach, as a pharmacist here to kind of give us your thoughts on that. Certainly have a lot of friends in the industry um, on the bench and have seen a lot of social media posts around becoming a medication police and how that has really kind of implicated their current duties as a pharmacist as well as it relates to some of the guidance we're seeing around these two medications. So looking forward to your thoughts there, Zach. Thanks, Emily. Uh, so we're, we're starting to get a lot of uh, different items that are coming up when it comes to uh, potential treatments or potential therapies for COVID-19. However, there's no there's no official FDA approved treatment. Uh, but a few weeks ago, uh, some studies were released highlighting the use of hydroxychloroquine as a potential treatment for COVID-19. With very little evidence for uh, effective treatments and, and even the fact that these studies had very limited data supporting them, pharmacists and hospitals and other healthcare providers were noting large increases of prescribing for the medication. Um, not just <clears throat> hydroxychloroquine, but also chloroquine, and then azithromycin. I'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let me go ahead and read the full statement from uh, Governor DeWine of the state of Ohio. The Ohio State of Ohio uh, Board of Pharmacy uh, passed a rule related to prescribing chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine for purposes of COVID-19. Unless otherwise approved by the board's executive director, no prescription for chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine may be dispensed by a pharmacist or sold at retail by a licensed terminal distributor of dangerous drugs unless, one, the prescription bears a written diagnosis code from the prescriber, two, if written for COVID-19 diagnosis, the diagnosis has to be confirmed by a positive test result, which is documented on the prescription, and both of the following must apply. 
the prescription is limited to no more than a 14-day supply, and two, no refills may be permitted unless a new prescription is furnished. Prescriptions for either presumptive positive patients uh, or prophylactic use of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine related to COVID-19 is strictly prohibited unless otherwise approved by the board's executive director in consultation with the board president, at which time a resolution shall issue. So that's that's the statement from uh, the state of Ohio. Uh, being a proud Tennessean here, uh, we, we have some guidance from Earth State as well. Uh, it's not as uh, direct uh, currently as of uh, the 27th of March uh, as the state of Ohio's is, but it's a strong uh, discouragement of utilization of hydroxychloroquine as well as other products uh, for uh, for the treatment of COVID-19 that aren't um, shown to have any evidence. So I can say that there's a lot of other states that are following Ohio's lead regarding the inappropriate prescribing of hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. Um, so as I mentioned, these therapies, along with the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, for the treatment of COVID-19 really just don't have much evidence to go by to show that they would be effective treatment options. And frankly, the, uh, the side effects that can occur with these medications could be worse than the actual um, treatment, the actual therapy that uh, they, they'd be having to go through with COVID-19. So the concern here is that overprescribing for these medications could also cause the supply of these products to be limited and not available to patients who need them for other diseases that they're indicated for. So uh, folks that have rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, or malaria, um, they utilize hydroxychloroquine quite often uh, and they, it's a maintenance therapy for them. So it's definitely something to keep in mind uh, and it's a big concern for those type of patients at this point. Yeah, and what I'd point to our audience to, and Zach, you covered a lot of detail, limited studies at this point, small patient counts. I've seen a number of items with these studies related to, are these uh, well-designed from a peer review standpoint, et cetera. Um, and we've also seen a number of news stories now related to patients um, who were taking these medications and especially for hydroxychloroquine, um, there are some very serious side effects there that, you know, so this really does need to be managed under um, a, a physician or certainly with pharmacist oversight for these items. And um, while we talked about there the importance for or, or lack thereof a lot of effective treatment for COVID-19, there's a lot of um, folks that are really working to address that. Um, would it certainly encourage that this is very much a, a fast-moving development and it's important to stay up to date on um, what are true indications as they do become available. But um, we're going to, you know, continue on and for this topic and uh, aside from some of the medication issues, we've also seen a lot of questions, particularly as the disease has been uh, spreading within different communities, uh, particularly whether it be first responders or um, those in health systems or with pharmacies. One of the biggest questions that has been circulated seems to be what happens when someone, uh, a family member, a loved one gets, gets sick and whether or not they have uh, coronavirus and whether or not they can pass that on. So uh, Emily, do you mind taking us through what we what we have seen as the current recommendations for from the CDC on how uh, people that may be infected um, how they should be handled and um, and and their exposure? Yeah, my pleasure. So here is what the CDC recommends you do. 
Um, if you have a sick or ill person at home, make sure that you monitor this sick person for worsening symptoms and understand what those emergency signs are. So first, if you think your loved one is getting sicker, contact your healthcare provider. Um, most of the healthcare providers, at least here in the state of Ohio, have a separate phone line that they've opened up so that you can call versus going into the office and potentially um, spreading the virus if you do have it or catching something else. Call and contact your healthcare provider first. There are lots of telehealth options available now as well. So certainly encourage you to take care or take advantage of those. Um, also, most state departments of health have implemented a hotline or a number. So if you suspect you are um, a victim of COVID-19, you can call the hotline. Uh, that's all an effort to not overload the 911 phone line. However, if you feel like your loved one is displaying some emergency type signs, which would include trouble breathing, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion or ability to arouse bluish lips or face, uh, these are great reasons to call 911, and that's exactly when you should do so. All right. Thanks, Emily, for that description. And Zach, I'll, I'll, we'll go over to you. Um, say we've got that family member, that person that, that we know um, that has been sick. Um, what can you go through for us as far as details and when they can start to um, you know, come back and, and be it in the workplace and um, when, they, when they can look to end that isolation status? Yeah, so it all depends on two factors. Uh, one, are they getting, are, do they have the capability of getting a, a test for COVID-19, um, which is something that is hard to come by in a lot of instances. Uh, and if not, um, do they have symptoms? So let's just talk about um, the, the folks that can't get a test for COVID-19 currently. So the best way to monitor whether a person who is sick continues to have a fever or not. That is one of the things that comes uh, as one of the main areas. So uh, the CDC actually recommends waiting at least three full days uh, without any fever and then also making sure that, uh, that you're not taking any uh, fever reducing medications such as uh, acetaminophen to reduce that fever. Uh, other symptoms like coughing and shortness of breath have improved and at least seven days have passed since symptoms first appeared. So no fever for 72 hours, at least seven days have passed since you had any symptoms, uh, since the symptoms started. And then also if there has been any symptoms that uh, such as coughing and shortness of breath, that they are getting better instead of worse. So those are the main areas. If a patient does have the ability to get a test for COVID-19 um, and they test positive, uh, they're supposed to stay home until inst uh, instructed to leave uh, and until the, the risk of secondary transmission to others is thought to be low. So in these instances, it's important for the patients to talk to their healthcare providers and the decision to discontinue home isolation, really preca those precautions should be made on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, in consultation with healthcare providers as well as those uh, at your local or state uh, health departments. If you test positive and then you are able to have the ability to get a second test, so this is thinking a few weeks, maybe a month or so down the line, whenever we actually have uh, abundant tests available, um, if you have that capability, uh, you'd 
if you're able to receive two negative tests in a row in a 24-hour time span and do not have a fever and are not exhibiting symptoms still, you can probably end isolation if you're out of the house. So, like I said, there's a lot of different scenarios with that. So, those are the key areas to think about. Yeah, thanks, Zach. And again, the timing here is an important factor. Um, as we're sharing this information, this is last week of March, March 27th, when we're recording this. So these guidelines are current as of uh, that date. If you're listening to this information at a later point, um, you know, again, check CDC, check World Health Organization, check some of those resources to, to uh, confirm that these are still accurate and up to date. Um, when we do talk about impact for society and um, for, for myself in North Carolina, um, things are going to be staying somewhat different for a while. We, we, at least for myself, I have a stay-at-home order declared now through April 30th. And for public schools, those are closed through May 15th. So there's certainly an impact for many parents figuring out how to get their uh, kids doing homework, online classes, um, staying or having an outlet for their energy and their creativity uh, so that they can uh, still be active and but still be having that uh, that brain development and brain growth and so certainly for for folks um, i'm not i myself am not in that boat, but I know that that creates a um, an, an added uh, struggle for a lot of other people um, that's there and I'll be happy to have some return to normalcy uh, when kids can be back at school as well so Zach and Emily we've covered a lot of details here today and, and again, this information is current as of time of our recording but any other comments or remarks, um, whether it's our team working with pharmacy organizations, working with health plans, working with different organizations and associations, we've received a lot of input as it relates to this current situation. And um, anything else you'd like to make sure to highlight or note for our listeners today? And Emily, we'll start with uh, start with you. Yeah, and thanks, Nick. I think one item that I'd like to highlight um, is with regards to what does this situation look like in two, three, four months from now, or maybe by the end of 2020? And, and that's a question that no one can answer at this point in time, right? Um, but as it relates to business, um, especially if you're a retail independent pharmacy, how, you know, how is this going to impact your overall business? And looking forward to having a follow-up podcast where we're going to dedicate quite a bit of time to walking through what those scenarios look like. But just to reiterate that now, at least from the perspective of working with health plans and PBMs and other data providers here at PQS, uh, certainly the focus is around keeping people well and making them better. And uh, everyone is focused on how do we get medications to those that need it? How do we get medications to those in medically underserved areas where it was already a battle to get those medications to them. How do we continue to fight the fight and uh, make sure that we're doing everything to, to keep people safe and well? And that's certainly the number one item of discussion when we're having our uh, regular chats with our, our health plans and PBM partners, certainly where the focus is. But again, I'll look forward to, hopefully you'll have me back on the show next and we can chat more about um, what performance measures kind of look like with regards to impact from COVID-19 as we understand more about the situation. But for now, just controlling what you can control and do what we can do to help keep people safe and well. That's the, the number one goal for sure. And Zach, your final comments. Yeah, so 
echo completely what Emily was saying about the performance scores and uh, all that. I mean, really, at the end of the day, is all about the patients. So we, we will we'll definitely have another podcast dedicated to that, how this impacts performance scores and everything. But really, the things I wanted to mention uh, is it's just going to be really critical these next few weeks uh, to continue uh, the social distancing, physical distancing, however you want to label that, uh, for the time being as much as possible, uh, wash your hands frequently, and also be sure to follow the guidance of the CDC as well as your local and state health departments. And then for patients that are uh, maybe listening to this podcast down the road, please bear with us. Um, and by us, I mean healthcare providers. Um, when it comes to uh, everything that's going on uh, in the, this environment right now, healthcare providers, uh, as well as other uh, individuals that are considered health essential um, employees, um, they're putting their health on the line. And they're putting the health on the line to help you stay healthy or get you the care that you need uh, to become healthy. So please be respectful of the barriers that are being put up, the, the typically the six feet of distance between others whenever you're out in public, and um, also the changes you may be seeing at your local pharmacies, whether that be curbside prescription pickup, not allowing pharma pharmacies to have people inside their stores, but maybe being drive-through only. All these different initiatives are being done to reduce the risk of spreading COVID-19 to others and to keep you safe. Yeah, Zach, I'll um, pile on to your, your thoughts there. And, and Emily appreciated your comments earlier as well. But, you know, Zach, to your point, um, there's a lot of us that have friends, family members where they're really currently being asked to stay home and, um, you know, just watch Avengers movies and, you know, just watch those superhero movies so that we can help keep the real superheroes um, on the front lines safe. So it's, it's a small thing to ask there. And, um, you know, the other, the other part that has been really top of mind for me in speaking with whether it's friends that are pharmacists, physicians, nurses that are currently dealing with this, there's a lot of panic that kind of goes into this situation. Um, a lot of resources or even just food, which may be limited. And it's, um, it, it's a part there where, where I would say for a lot of my friends that have uh, been on the front lines, um, it, it becomes even more difficult when they finish their shift. Um, it's already been stressed and it's, they're going to the grocery store and there's not a whole lot that's there or they're working you know, nonstop when they're in the pharmacy. So if there's one other piece of advice, Zach shared some recommendations for our patients, but uh, you know, the other part there I would say is, uh, you know, if you do have friends that are, that are working in healthcare and on the front lines here, um, make sure to check in with them, what, what you can do to help them uh, making sure that they are, they have food when they get home from that shift or when they're finished with the shift that they're even just able to get a, you know, a bite to eat something there that it really goes a long way since these are, are folks that are going above and beyond uh, to handle this situation and to keep as much of us healthy as we possibly can. But Zach and Emily, I really appreciate having both of you on the show for today. Um, certainly this topic continues to be one that's different than our usual podcast content, but we want to help share um, the best available information as it does come around and we'll have more to go on this. But I'm going to go ahead and, and close our episode. But for today, we're going to wrap up our message. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, our team here at PQS has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends. Because if you share this with two friends and each of them shares it with two friends, 
really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then, if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.